Hey, let me welcome this awesome preacher right here, Daniel Leach. How are you guys doing this morning? Good to see you. Hey, before we move on, I wanted to uh, specifically shout out my father. Uh, as you guys know, most of you, uh, he's not only my father, but he's my pastor. And to lead in this time of a pandemic and lead in transition is incredibly hard. And he has done such a good job. So I honor you. Yes. Thank you. And then next, we have a pastor from Austin, Texas that used to work here that I want to give a shout out. Do you guys remember Ethan Matat? Let's give it up for him. Yeah, stand up, Ethan. Show the man bun off. Woo! He went down to Austin, Texas and planted a church down there, and it is booming. And Ethan, I just have to say, you are the fifth best missionary pastor we ever had. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we love you, dude. I, you're one of my best friends, and I'm honored that you're here today. Um, but guys, welcome here today. We are in the middle of a series called Angels, and I thought it would be fitting to do if you know me at any sort. Uh, I love facts, so I thought we'd do Christmas facts. I got 10 interesting Christmas facts. Number one, did you know Christmas celebrates the birth of Christ? You better know that, guys. Number two, the Statue of Liberty is the largest Christmas gift ever given, believe it or not. Number three, the Rockefeller Christmas tree has more than 25,000 Christmas lights. Number four, Christmas Day boasts the lowest number of relationship breakups. Goodness, that's awesome. <laughs> and on top of that, it is also the mass, most popular time of the year to propose. So how about everybody look around to people that they know should be proposing this year? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> David. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, my twin, it's my twin brother, okay? Chill out. <laughs> uh, Home Alone is the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time. Love that movie. All right, this one I found really interesting. To decorate all of Disney World, it takes 8.5 million lights. That is just shocking to me. Uh, the U.S. grows or sells an annually uh, 77 million Christmas trees, and on average, it takes 15 years to grow them. And then um, number nine, the mistletoe is a direct, directly translated into dung on a stick. <laughs> Guess you guys didn't know that. And then number 10 is Jingle Bells was the first song to ever be played in space. There you go. There's your Christmas facts for the time. Yes, there we go. <laughs> So, like I was saying, we are in our second series called Angels, and the whole premise of it was to talk to you about angels. And last week we had Pastor John talk about when Gabriel visited Zechariah, and at the point where Zechariah, the way he responded, was almost questioning the Lord, so he was muted. It was an absolutely incredible message, so I would encourage you, if you haven't heard it, uh, to get caught up. Uh, but today I get to talk to you about uh, Mary and Gabriel, and if you kind of look at the pieces of where we're going, if we started with the first um, time that an angel came into the New Testament and talks, it's to Zechariah, right, and then the second time it's to Mary, you can kind of see the direction that we're going as a teaching team when it comes to angels, and you might be asking, well, Daniel, why is angels such a good time, uh, such a good series for Christmas? Well, if you go throughout the entire Bible, this is when it is the most active that angels are, is the first two chapters of the New Testament, and you see it through in and throughout all all the times that they're visiting. So when I'm talking to you today about Gabriel and Mary, I have something super special.
special because I always take my messages to the Lord and I ask, hey, what do you want your people to hear? What do you want my church family to hear? How do you want them to grow? How do you want them to be stretched? And I believe he gave me a a great word. But before we go any farther, I'm going to read the scripture of when Gabriel comes and talks to Mary. It's Luke 1, 26 through 35, and it goes this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy, oh yeah, sorry. That's it. So, with that being said, this is such a pivotal scripture for us in the sense of this. Throughout the ages, we have these heresies where people try to disprove that Jesus, one, was either God, two, that it was from a virgin birth. But if we start to question what it says in this scripture, saying that Jesus wasn't immaculately concepted, didn't come from a virgin birth, isn't the son of God, then what we're doing here is completely finite, completely fallen, completely worthless. The second that we start to question this scripture is the second that it takes away the deity of who Christ is. And that is a heresy. So we look at the scripture, and this is the beginning of everything that we believe. This is the beginning of why we are going to heaven. It is because of Jesus, because of what happened that day through Mary, through God, that we are able to go to heaven. So like I was saying, I took this to the Lord and I said, what are the things that I can take to your people? And I felt like what he said is, Daniel, there's three things that an angel brings. There's three things that an angel brings. And the first thing that I felt like he said is an angel brings a message. An angel brings a message. That is what it's defined by. An angel is defined as by as the Lord's messenger. But I think it's so often easy for us to be like, oh, this is a message from an angel, or this is a message from a person. But really, if it's the Lord's messenger, it's a message from the Lord. And so often we're chasing those things. We're chasing the giftings. We're chasing this experience with an angel rather than chasing who Jesus is, rather than chasing the experience with him. I have a story, it was, um, it was a few years ago, and I don't know if any of you have had that time where it's just so deep, so rich, and so thick that you're experiencing the Lord. Every time you go to church, it's like, oh, I can write notes for days. Every time you pray, you're hearing from the Lord. Every time you're worshiping, you're weeping, or you're experiencing Jesus, you're having these dreams, you're doing all these things. It was one of those times in my life. And I went to bed one night, and in my dream, I felt like I heard this voice that says, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? And the first thing that came to my mind, I said, I want to see an angel. And in my dream, I saw this angel, and it was massive. It was huge. It was ginormous. And I remember waking up, like, shaking, like, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. And I just started praying to God, and I felt like the Lord said this to me, Daniel. I gave you the opportunity to see me, and yet you chose to see an angel. So, church, if we were put in that position... 
to say, what do you want to see? What giftings do you want in your life? What would you say? See, everything that we do, everything should begin with an experience with Jesus. It shouldn't come through, oh, I want to see an angel. Oh, I want to be good at public speaking. Oh, I want to prophesy. No, it should be birthed from experience with our Lord and our Jesus. But yet we're giving the secondary of, oh, here's the giftings. I'll take the giftings. Rather than the experience. How would you guys respond in that dream? See, there's so many different ways that we can experience Jesus. You guys think it's just, you got to be on your knees praying, reading the word. Yeah, that's what works for me. And it's so important that, that every Christian needs to be doing that. But I was talking with Pastor Jake this last week, and, and if you know Pastor Jake, if you've ever met with him, he's got this whiteboard in his room with like circles and drawings of a map of like, hey, if we do this, this is how we can push the kingdom of God forward. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, we got in the conversation, and I was like, well, don't you think like experiencing Jesus is, is most important? He was like, well, Daniel, that's how you experience Jesus. But this is people planning, people doing stuff for the kingdom of God, people serving is a way of experiencing Jesus. And I talked to Jake and I was like, that's so interesting. It's so interesting that the way I experience Jesus is completely different than the way that you can experience Jesus. And to compare between the two is death. Because the second that you say the way I experience Jesus is greater is the second that you stop chasing and trying to experience Jesus. And it's good. Jesus gives us pastors. Jesus gives us giftings. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to push the kingdom of God forward. But it always should start with experiencing Jesus first. And you might ask, what does this have to do with angels? Well, Daniel, if, if, if it has to do with angels, then why are we doing it this way? Why, why are we experiencing this way? No, 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 no. An angel is the Lord's messenger. So we need to directly receive it as a message from the Lord. Whether you're experiencing an angel or not, we are constantly hearing and getting messages from the Lord, yes or no? I would say the mass majority of us haven't experienced an angel. I've talked about this, you know, for me, I experience the Lord really when I read the word. It's so rich, and, and, and truly, the Bible comes alive to me. That's how I experience the Lord. But my sister Katie has like the craziest, coolest dreams in the world, and I'm like, why can't I have it? The comparison game, right? I mean, that angel dream that I have is like one in a million. Like, I, I do not have interesting dreams. Let's just say it at that. The way that we experience Jesus is different from everybody. But are you putting it before everything else? Are you putting it before those giftings? Are you putting it before an experience with something supernatural? Jesus should be number one always in our experience. Always. So what kind of messages does angels or the Lord send to us? I think there's messages of warning. I mean, you guys have all heard Dan Bauman speak. Dan Bauman talks about like how he's supposed to get off on this certain exit on the highway because there's the Lord tells him there's going to be a car accident, right? And then he gets off, and then lo and behold, there's a car accident on the next exit. I think there's, there's uh, um, messages of instruction. 
I think the Lord instructing us and what to do. I mean, even Pastor John and, and what we're doing right now in this, this time in this age here at this interim building, listening and getting instructed by the Lord. And I think there's messages of encouragement. There's time where we just need encouragement. Every time before I get up on here, I go, Lord, <laughs> I prepared as much as I can. Now it's up to you. <laughs> and he's like, Daniel, this is what I created you to do. Now go and do it. So the first thing an angel does is it brings a message. The second thing I believe that an angel brings is a testing, is a testing. All you have to do is look at any experience with an angel in the Bible. Mary, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, all of it came with a testing. Every single one of it. The angel brought a message and then it was directly followed up by a testing, whether it be through your obedience, whether it be through how you're acting, how you're living, how you're loving. It is always followed up by a testing. So in the story of Mary, you know, in this day and age, I think it's so easy for us to just, and I've said this before, to just dumb down the gospel, dumb down what actually happened. Mary was 14 or 15 years old when this angel came to her and said that you're going to have a child, and not just a child, the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. Oh, and by the way, I know you're a virgin, and you're promised in marriage. See, church, yes, if a 15-year-old got pregnant in this day and age, it would, it would be hard. It would be difficult. But I think in most cases and scenarios, family would stay there, support them, be with them, Right? But in the culture that Mary was growing up in, I mean, she could have been killed. Joseph was going to divorce her until an angel intervened. We truly have to understand the gravity of what Mary was going through. Just imagine an angel coming to you and saying this, these things. You're going to carry the Son of God. Regardless of what people think of you, regardless of how you feel, you're going to do this. But if we look at verse 38 in Luke 1, it says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Our response is everything in any trial. Our response is everything. And really what it comes down to is Mary was thrown into the fire. Mary was thrown into a fire. In a culture that said, if you do this, you're exiled. You're out of the family. You're going to be alone forever. Or killed. That's what God is doing. Is throwing in the fire. No wonder God found favor with Mary with that response. What 15-year-old do you know, what adult do you know would respond that way? I am your servant. Do what you need to do. That is Mary, that is the definition of being thrown in the fire right there. And Mary accepts her circumstances, accepts what Jesus is doing because it's bigger than her life. 
It's bigger than who she is. She's willing to sacrifice her comfortability. She's willing to sacrifice her life with her husband, her future, for Jesus to come. Do you guys realize how big and how important that is? So what fire are you in? Fires can be man-made. They can be decisions that we have made that has put us in fires. Addiction, sexual immorality, anything of the sorts of that is a fire that we're throwing and we're choosing to be in there. But then there's other fires that we just can't control. Illnesses, sicknesses, depression, anxiety. You know, for me, church, the fire that I've been thrown into, and you have heard, I spoke about it about a year ago, is this anxiety that I've had to live with. And I was doing some research on this before I got into the message. Do you know that it's the the most, I don't want to say most popular, but the most widespread mental illness in the world? 30% of people in the world deal with anxiety. And for the most part, it can be easily managed and and, and handled if you do, you know, go see the proper people, learn the proper uh, grounding exercises, so on and so forth. And I've done really good with that. But every once in a while, it just pops up. And it's absolutely debilitating. There's been times that it stopped me from doing my job. And I'm a pastor. My job, and there's people out here that stop them from doing what you're doing and what you're supposed to do. It can be absolutely debilitating, and it comes to the point where times I'm like, why, Lord? Why am I in this fire right now? Why am I going through this right now? I have sacrificed my life to serve you. I'm doing the checkbox. I'm reading, right? I'm worshiping. You know, I was, uh, this is the Holy Spirit saying this. When you go through the fire like this, and you start going through the checkbox to get out of the fire, that's not how you get out of the fire, guys. It's not through just checking off, I'm reading the Bible. It's not through just checking off, I'm going to church, I'm worshiping. Whatever fire that you're in. And it just gets to the point of like, I am sick of this, Lord. Why do I have to deal with this? It has changed parts of my personality. It's changed parts of my life, stuff that I used to love doing. What's the fire in your life? What's the thing that you're going through right now? Whether if it's self-made or not, and you're just like, why am I in this fire? Because even if it's addiction, you never start off being like, oh, I want to get addicted to this. You get to a point where you're addicted, and you're like, I want to stop, but I can't stop. What is that fire? What are you being thrown into right now? What are you being tested in right now? Maybe it's the lack of hearing from the Lord. Maybe you've got everything going good for you. You're not dealing with sicknesses, anything like that, but you're not hearing from the Lord the way that you used to. Maybe you're not as on fire for the Lord as you used to. 
And maybe I'm the one that's even bringing to light that you're in the fire right now. That you're being tested right now. Our response to the fire is everything. No matter if it's me with my anxiety and me saying, Lord, I am your servant. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why I have to go through this pain right now. But all I know is I am your servant. And let your will be done in my life. I know you don't want me to go through anxiety, but use me from what comes from this anxiety. And for the people right now that are in the fire and that are just so deposed and just so beaten down and just given up, I encourage you with this. In, in the, uh, the story in Daniel 2 with Radshach, Meshach, and Abednego, three went into the fire, but when they were standing in the fire, there was four. There was four. So whatever fire you're standing in right now, whatever fire you're standing in there right now, you're not alone. And that Jesus is standing there by your side. No matter the, how hot the fire is, Jesus is there. And whatever fire, there's two things. One, you're never alone because Jesus is there with you. And two in this story, they weren't alone with each other. There was three of them. So I encourage you with whatever fire you're going through to talk to people about it. I cannot tell you, I cannot come close to expressing to you, for me with my anxiety, to talk to someone that's been through the same exact anxiety that I'm going through. I cannot tell you the freedom that it brings. That someone can relate to it. Because I know my wife from the outside looking in, she's like, this guy's nuts. Like, <laughs> he worries about everything. He thinks he's going to die from everything. But to talk to somebody that's going through that. It brings such peace. So I encourage anybody that's in their fire right now that one, you're not alone and Jesus is standing in there no matter how hot the fire is. And two, don't go in the fire alone. Find peace and solitude in others that can relate, that can talk to you, that can bring peace to you. Our response is everything when we're in the fire. How do you guys respond in those times? How do you respond in those times? And the last thing that I want to talk to you that an angel brings is it, it brings glory to God. Every single time an angel comes, it brings a message, it brings a testing, and it brings glory to our Lord. Gabriel brought the physical manifestation of Lord's glory, at least the word of what was happening in Jesus to Mary. As Mary carried Jesus to the world physically, it's our job to carry him spiritually to the world. If Jesus is the manifestation of glory, if we were talking to our Lord, what do you think brings him most pride? His son, Jesus Christ. His sacrifice. So the way that we glorify the Lord is through Jesus. The way that Mary physically carried Jesus into this world is the way that we must spiritually carry Jesus into this world. So how do we glorify the Lord? How do we glorify him? I said it this way. It's by the way that we love, 
and it's by the way that we live. It's by the way that we love, and it's by the way that we live. In John 13, 35, it says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That right there in itself, if they know that we are his because of the way that we love people, then we're bringing Jesus to other people. Through the way that you love is the way that we can glorify Jesus. And you might be asking, Daniel, is, is, is living and loving different? I think to an extent, I think they feed onto each other, right? I think specifically living your life in love, you know, that, that feeds into each other. But I think there's differences. Because they know us by the way we love, right? They don't know us by the way we live. You can live a good Christian life, but if you're not going out and loving people, if you're not going out and serving people, then how are they supposed to know who Jesus is? It's not just evangelizing on the street. It's not just going into the world, which is a huge part, by the way. And we have the best missions department in the world. It's by the way we love and it's by the way we live. I got a perfect example of this. I, anybody that has talked to me, especially this time of the year, I am a massive fantasy football guy. Like, I love fantasy football. And there was a few years ago, I had my buddy that I've known since kindergarten. He came to me and said, hey, I'm starting um, a, a fantasy league. And I'm going to ask people from high school, college, uh, from different high schools. But we all kind of were interconnected. We all knew each other because of sports and so on and so forth. And, um, it, it, you know, to be honest, when they knew me, I was living and I was a completely different person. Completely. I, t- I did one of their weddings and one of the guys was like, Daniel, let's take shots. And I was like, I'm doing a wedding. I can't, do, like, that's not, I don't do that anymore. Let's take shots. No. But he asked me, buddy Ryan, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And there was part, it was this time in my life where I was like, you know, is it too soon to get back into that group? Am I mature enough in my faith that I won't be pulled back in, right? So this was, I don't know, nine years ago that we started. And, and I felt like the Lord was like, you're good. It was less than nine, seven years, I don't know. You're good. You're mature enough to do this. And I said, okay. So I joined. And, you know, there's that natural pull of like, hey, we have draft day. Let's go par, let's go to Blackhawk, do all these things. And they'll just be like, First off, it's a Saturday night, so I'm at church. <laughs> and they just kept trying to pull and pull and pull until they realized and they asked, something's different about you. What's different about you? And I said, I had an experience. I went to YWAM and I experienced and heard the Lord and told me what my calling is. And I remember coming over from YWAM and talking to a few of them and see, telling them the miracles that I saw on these mission trips. People's legs that were short being grown out completely. People that had molars that were bothering them that were instantly gone after prayer. And I remember telling them, they're like, no way. No way. And I was like, believe me, I don't care. I saw it with my own eyes. And then after a time, they noticed and started saying, there is something different about you. And I wish you could see the text messages in our text group, like extremely just like, just guys that don't know Jesus being guys. Let's say it that way. And finally, they're like, hey, they started calling me pastor. 
Like I said earlier, one of them asked me to do their wedding. Another guy who's the only other guy that has a kid, um, isn't married but has a kid, and and he calls me. He's called me multiple times at like 1 a.m. in the morning. For pastors that are married with kids and their friends aren't married with kids yet, you're always on the clock. (laughs) Because they'll call and they'll ask, hey, man, I'm really struggling with my relationship right now. What did you and Holly do? You might be able to say, well, Daniel's just because you're Christian, they see you that way. No, man. It's the way that I lived and it's the way that I've loved on them. When the guy asked me to do a wedding, he was like, how much is it? And I was like, it's free, man. You're my boy. I've known you since I was 10 years old. I am honored to do this for you. Honored. When I get a call at one o'clock and I'm awake, hopefully, if I am, I'll answer it instantly. Because of this, there's been multiple of my friends that have become Christians. Multiple. And it's, I'm not alone, my twin brother's in it as well, and he's a strong Christian, so it's not just me by myself. He's able to help me, encourage me, encourage them. I'm able to encourage him. And I wish you guys could see this group. Because you would look at the outside and say it's impossible. It's impossible. But I promise you this way, church. The way that you live and the way that you love make the impossible possible. The way that you live and the way that you love can even get the hardness of hearts. How are we living and loving? Because really what it comes down to is we're just glorifying who the Lord is. And it's our job. And if I can reiterate what I said from the beginning, I know this is a series on angels, right? An angel brings messages. An angel brings a testing. An angel glorifies the Lord. Sounds a lot like our job too. How are you guys glorifying our Lord in every day? If I were to cut you off on the road, what would you do? You're like, oh, it's Pastor Daniel. (laughs) You know, one of the most fascinating things that I find out of this whole entire story of Mary, and I was actually talking uh, with my dad and, and some of the other pastors this week, is that Mary had a choice in doing this. And it was me, I was actually, I was like, do you actually think she had a choice? And they're like, absolutely she had a choice. Because without a choice, without free will, there is no true love. So when Mary made this decision, she did it by herself. When she chose to say those words and how she responded, she made that decision by herself. So with you guys and in our decisions and our reactions and how we live in love, what is your choice today? What is your choice tomorrow? What is your choice this week? What is your choice during this Christmas season? 
all comes back to Jesus. And we have the opportunity to glorify him, to make a difference in people's lives, to forgive when we shouldn't have to forgive, to be patient when we shouldn't have to be patient. If I was asked the question what this message is about today, it's what difference can we make in glorifying Jesus? The most important point out of all of these is glorifying the Lord. To glorify the Lord. you guys join me in prayer. Jesus, we just lift your name up. Lord, we know that this season sometimes can just be so convoluted with our schedule, with busyness, with whatever's going on, Lord. But we come to this moment in time, this second, right now, and we acknowledge you and we glorify you. This season isn't about gifts. It's not even about family. It's about you. So Lord, we surrender our wants and our needs and our expectations of what this season's supposed to look like. And we, Lord, we pray that you would just remind us every day that we live that it's a gift from you. And it's an opportunity to glorify you. Jesus, use us and let us be your ambassadors. For the people that have been living and loving in a way for so long that been glorified, but they haven't seen this change in people's life, Lord, I pray right this second that you would bring freedom in those situations, Jesus, that you would exceed expectations in those situations, whether it be sons, whether it be daughters, whether it be fathers, whether it be mothers, anybody, Jesus, we pray that you would exceed expectations right now that your spirit would come because of your faithful servants, the way that they have glorified you unyieldly. Lord, we so love you. And we pray as we walk out of this door today that this would be an idea that is tattooed to our mind, that it wouldn't be something that just slips and walks away but Lord, that we'd be something that we could hold tight to. Lord, this is all about you. It's all about you. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray. Amen.